usually don't rinky dink on a Monday, but we're doing it for you, the podcast people. Mike Heike, Jeff Totes, and myself are all here at 10 a.m., the crack of 10, we call that, in order to spew forth our opinions uh, and debate the issues of the day and the week. Once again, because we have a game and then we have an early flight to T.O. Uh, but it's wonderful to see you this morning. Thanks for being here on time, Mike. It's a rare day for me. Yes, it is. Hey, at least I'm not Tom Holy. I didn't just quit on the whole thing. Wow. <laughs> that was a shot. <laughs> Let's start with this, since it was the big story on the weekend. Out of, well, there were many big stories yeah. on the weekend out of St. Louis, but pretty soon... You're going to be in the minority if you haven't been the head coach of the Dallas Stars this season. <laughs> Aren't you scheduled for a game on the road trip? No, not me. I just mean anybody in a suit in behind the Stars bench is going to get a crack at it, apparently. the uh, And, you know, two game day coach changes for two very different reasons, and one only uh, temporary, and two victories. Yeah. It, this thought came over me for the whole weekend, just thinking about everything. Monty wanted, and partly because he was a rookie head coach, he wanted to spread the responsibility. And so I think he did a pretty good job of that. Mm. And then if you talk to Rick Bonus and you ask him about, well, what do you think on this replay? He goes, well, that's not my job. And I'm like, well, you're the head coach. He goes, we completely trust Kelly Forbes. Whatever Kelly Forbes tells me to do, I do it. And then we ask him about goaltender choice. He goes, well, whatever Jeffries tells me to do, I do it. And so in that regard, I think this organization or this coaching staff has set themselves up to be able to handle these types of difficulties. Like if Hitch were to miss a game, Hitch wanted his hands and everything, right? So I think you would feel that. But because Rick Bonus spreads the wealth around, I thought they absorbed it pretty well. I have read a lot of articles on the changes in the military, uh, and it's almost in lockstep with that kind of thinking. Yeah. Cuz there was I mean there was a time when your leadership was 100% top down. Right. It was whatever they told you and how high you want a, a battalion to jump, just tell them and they're going to jump or try. Right. And and it's changed. Uh, technology has changed, tactics have changed, uh everything. And because of that the the, the main pull from this was that the people who understand technology and that best are not your generals right they're going to be the guys coming in on the ground floor and if you're not listening to them and if you're not giving them a voice and if you're not spreading things around underneath you man you're just going to get pummeled yeah and i i believe it's the same in in sports and i think hockey has has morphed itself to become a little bit more like uh, other sports, even Hitch, and I know yeah. he's a big personality, right? And he's from that old school. But he was talking near the end of uh, his coaching time about I want uh, coordinators. I, w- I want a guy who's going to be my defenseman coordinator, going to be my power play coordinator. And most teams are like that now. And you look on a lot of NHL benches now. There are four coaches on there. Yeah, there used to be a head coach. Then there was a head coach and one assistant. Then there was a head coach and two assistants. And now you look, and there are four guys back there in suits, plus the two guys back in the cave 
watching on on monitors. So and a lot of times the guy in the booth talking to the poor guy upstairs. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's become that. I, I think the stars take it or have taken it to maybe the next the next step or the the next level. Uh, some of it out of necessity, and some this is how they wanted yeah. to do it. And man, does it pay off when you run into situations like they ran into on the weekend with Rick Bonus becoming ill on a game day. And then you look and you're like, okay, well, here's John Stevens, who's been a head coach in Philadelphia and a head coach in L.A. And the the sensibilities and the philosophies are the, the same. You have Derek Laxtell, who's been coaching the Stars American Hockey League team for the last, what, five years? And you have Todd Nelson, who was the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers when they were going through some stuff, and was a head coach in the American Hockey League as well. You, you're deep at yeah. that position. Yeah, and and the it's funny because uh, uh, Stu Barnes, the first time he ever uh, uh, went up to Traverse City and coached the Prospects Tournament, he uh, was running the forward group or no, the defenseman, I think, and and he just said his head was spinning. That you know that mm-hmm. that actual act is incredibly difficult to deploy players in a game where you're making changes every 35, 40 seconds. And so these guys, they've all, I mean, Derek Laxtell was just doing it this year. So to ask him to deploy forwards, if he was, you know, if he was a guy, I think Todd Nelson had a hand in it too. But I mean, he just did it two months ago. So it really isn't that big of a deal for yeah. him. Yeah. Worked it, out good. Well, and a lot of credit and they're pretty humble guys, yeah. especially Stevens. And I've, I've known him for a long time. I know the type of person he is and and rick's the same way yeah. i mean he isn't he's not standing around me me i i shine the light on me the the players and and they <laughs> jamie ben was great after that game because he was his quotes maybe they yeah. were to you after but it was it was him yeah, yeah. did you ask a question in there and you got yeah, a I, solid I made, answer i made a statement and way to we, go <laughs> we, had a, we had a conversation that's how i do things people criticize me well you tell that. the story then it was it was a terrific answer for what? him <laughs> It's funny with him. He, okay, I know. If you want to go through the actual process, he was getting some sort of treatment or whatever. So he's the last guy we talked to. And we got to get to the bus. And Stretch is hovering over. And, you know, we got to get out of there. And so Jamie's given five-word answers. And he'll do that sometimes, which is fine. I mean, he understands the process. He'll give the answer. And then we'll get out of there. He's the, he's the polar opposite to Madonna. Madonna always understood. Right. The longer I talk, the fewer questions you can ask. <laughs> I'm not going to say much, but right. I'll just keep talking. Right. Whereas with Jamie, he doesn't really want to do it in the first right. place. And he he just gives you a few answers and he tries to wear you down with, do you really want to ask another question? Because yeah. I'm going to give you five words. But I hammered him. With well, boy. The, the exact, <laughs> like the exact same question three You're times. Relentless, dog <laughs> on a bone. And then he finally did. He goes, you just got to laugh about it. And it really is yeah. like... You walk out of there and think the stuff that's gone on this year, and then oh, by the way, yeah, your head coach isn't going to be able to coach at night. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we'll just roll, and then we're going to go beat the defending Stanley Cup champion after you lost in Minnesota the night before, and they're coming off being beaten by the Jets on home ice. And so they should be pretty motivated and everything. Course. Not to mention the fact I think they don't like the Dallas Stars. Well, they don't like the Dallas Stars. There's a playoff series in the near rear yeah. view mirror between them and there's not that much of a gap in the standings in the central division in the western conference so there's a lot there and you're you know they're up two to nothing in the game like and this is water off a duck's back for this team this year it's amazing it's it's one of the 
reasons I I believe pretty deeply that this group could do something come postseason. I, I really do because of that. Like stuff happens, and if you're a if you if you have a a team that's full of individuals that get rattled, you're immature. You you can't handle adversity at at any level. You know you you see those teams, yeah. and they're hey we don't have to look very far back to find them here. And this is not that. Th- yeah. This is a group where it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. We're just I go back to the coming. Winter Classic. Like, how easy would it have been to choke in that and have just a real mess? Well, again, a, a club that doesn't have that ingrained in them yep. would have. Yes. That, that would have been 4 I mean, nothing. Just the pressure of and they all got of it. Pumped. And they might have been shut out. It would have been a... You know, from that, it would have been an embarrassment. Yeah, it would have been. It would have sucked yes. from that perspective. And they turned it around and turned it to like the greatest game. Well, they're they're tied with Washington. Yeah, for the most multi-goal comebacks this season, and those are true comebacks. Right, they've had seven of them. Seven. Yeah. So it's like the Caps, who everyone looks at, and they're like, "Man, that's the club that could come out of the Eastern Conference." Them, Boston, you know, Tampa's yeah. in there. That's too, the but, team that has the offensive ability to come they, back from two they, goals. Yeah, they certainly do. <laughs> Yeah, that's the freaky thing about this club, you know? You're like, you're like man, they struggle to score goals until they're down by two or three goals, right. and then they score. Uh, and then it drops off to, like, four. Yeah. Like, it's not close. It's like Washington and, and Dallas, and that's, that's the cream of the crop as far as being able to come back. And when you look at the stars, you're like, man, that's not how they're built. No. You would believe that they're a club that when they're up by a couple of goals are never going to relinquish it because they're so deep, good defensively with splendid net minding. <laughs> but they're the other way around. Go figure. I don't know. What's well, interesting, too, is that it's always a different guy, it seems like, too. You know, it's Jamie Benn one night. It's Radulov one night. Yeah. And now it's Hintz yeah, with I, two goals in this one. To, to that end, the, the thing I like about it is that it's a combination of, of the old and the young. Over and over. Yeah. Like, we came into last game talking about, well, look who's scoring lately. Lots of guys aren't, but look who is scoring. It's the oldest forward on the team, oldest player on the team, yep. Joe Pavelski, and it's the youngest forward on the team, Denis Garyanov. So then you go into that game against them, and you get your captain, who's playing his 800th NHL game, scores, and then you get two goals from a guy who'd been slumping a little bit for Rope, but another one of your, you know, second year guy in, yeah. in this league, and that they just keep, they just keep doing that, and along with the fact that they can, they can toss those goaltenders in willy nilly if they want, and you're going to get the, almost ninety percent of the time, you're going to get a better performance out of them than the guy at the other end of the rink. Yeah. And, and I think that's also a big part of these uh, comebacks is whatever goals that go in, whether it was a goaltender's fault or not, you can see them bear down. Like mm. if it's 2 nothing, uh, you know, other than that 7 nothing game in Minnesota, they're like, uh-uh, we're not, you're not, we're not giving up, you know, five goals in this game, even though we've given up two in the first 10 minutes. You know, that's it. We're, we're shutting it down yeah. right now. Well, that, that's where the, a lot of that is that goaltending. Because they, yeah. even if you look in that Winter Classic, like, it it could have been three and four. Yep. And Bishop was just like, nope, nope, nope. And it allows him to settle. The other side had their because that's really what hockey is. Yeah. It's this it's this game of surges. Surge one after another. Can you survive surges? And can you elongate yours uh, you know, uh, offensively and in a positive mode? The other thing that I thought was worth talking about is is which is sort of a, a sidebar to what we're talking about. The fact that 
they're not top heavy anymore offensively. Yeah. And I, I believe that's part of this ability to come back because in past, if they were down by a couple of goals, I think the other side just looked and said, okay, let's lock down those three guys. I don't think they're going to come back with anybody else. And you can't do that anymore with the stars. So you have, you know, Radulov's run kind of hot and cold. Just think of that game too, you know. Radulov's not in the lineup. Right. Sagan hasn't scored in 2020. And it's all right. Well, somebody yeah. else then. And that that's the thing. Like Jamie Benn had one goal in the first 20 games of the season. Tyler hasn't scored this year. You know, and and Rads is, you know, I think he scored in like two of the last maybe 10 games, something like that. And yet they score enough. I, th- I think that's what we need to start saying. Yeah. Yeah, they don't score a lot, but they score enough. And they score spread offense-wise rather than just, okay, our power play has to score and those three guys have to score for us. Otherwise, we're toast. Yeah, and timely goals, too. I mean, you come in and, and there's, some of them are gorgeous. Like Blake Como's, some of the goals he's had are the right goal at the right time, beating a hot goalie with a really great shot. And you're going like... Well, that's not what Blake Como does, but he does. He has. And Rope's the same way. Garyanov. Some of the shots he's had have just been gorgeous. And maybe that's what it takes to beat a good goalie nowadays. Uh, be, but they How have would been, I know? Ah, come on. You, you watch. <laughs> but they have guys who can make those shots throughout the lineup, it yeah. seems like. Yeah. I just wish they'd do it a little more. Yeah. So how did the Stars become this overtime heroic unit? The irony of all this is so much complaints from the fans about how Rick Bonus does things as far as starting overtime with defensive players. You know, if it's Lindell and Foxa and, and Como yeah, or whatever. But, but, like, you watch the process but, of— I hear, I hear this noise, too. Yeah. Right? That, that you're, we're, not, we're not playing our, our offensive players enough. Right. And we're not starting overtime with our offensive players and, and this— and I understand it because the the visual is that you're like, okay, well, we'd like to score more goals. We'll play your goal scoring right. people a little bit more. And there's there's a there's a little sliver of truth within there, but there are also risks, inherent risks that come with that. That if you're trying to outscore, that might not end up being exactly what you intended because you might you might score right but you might give up quite a bit well it's interesting watching the other team's best players they get excited to start overtime so that first shift it's chaotic they want to go right up the ice and score and so when you put some calming factors in there it really does help what the stars do they want to be patient they want to win that opening face off they want to take the puck and pull it back and skate around and be calm and eat up the minutes for whoever it may be on the other side whether that's Connor McDavid or whoever and not let them get an offensive opportunity and it's when you watch it play out you know and I think Rick or whoever on the coaching staff thought about all this and when you watch it play out you're going like well this makes perfect sense and it's really worked. One of the numbers I was looking at, they are out shooting this season uh, in overtime, 43 to 19, which I think is a, a you know pretty good stat. And then They've I, had some power plays in overtime, yes, too, though. Yes, that's that, helped, too. That, that's helped. But uh, under Rick, 
Uh, I think they're out shooting teams 26 to like seven. They've only given up like seven shots. And some of those have been dandies. I mean, they've had to have some great goaltending. Every save. shot. Every shot in three on three <laughs> yeah, overtime is, is, a, is a scoring chance. Yeah, that's right. But, but There's not a lot of little floaters from the blue line going in on goaltending. And I was trying to research faceoffs. They're like the third best faceoff team in the league. I couldn't find overtime faceoffs this morning. Uh, but. They, they win, you know, 54% of their draws, which I think helps a great deal. Tyler wins 59 full of stats this week. I'm just saying there's, you know, you can sit there and look, and especially three-on-three, puck possession is huge. Yeah. And they have the puck a lot in overtime. Well, if you look back a few years when they couldn't win in overtime, it was like, don't give up a shot. Right. The first shot was going in a lot, a lot. And they, I mean, they went for it. Yeah. They just... The blind went for it. It was a blast to watch, but they didn't. They weren't as dominant. What have they, what are they now? The I think they were seven of ten well, heading into I, that in, in tonight, just the three on three. Yeah, and under Rick, I believe they're seven and they're six and one. Yeah, there you go. You know, like they they only had the one loss yeah. in, in overtime, and they got a shootout win in there mixed in. But all the rest and of those it, points are man, oh my gosh, man, oh man. Like you start looking down at the wild card situation, six teams fighting for two spots within a point or two of yeah. each other. So to be five points ahead of that, that's a nice feeling because yeah. they literally could be the seventh team in that group fighting for two. It's two interesting. Teams. Like to, I, I pumped out a quick Twitter post heading into that game. I didn't not knowing what or did I know that you it was going to go to overtime and they would lose. I probably yeah. did. Razor Domus. You have a gift. I, it is. It's a curse and a gift. Well, that's a true statement. The, the Stanley Cup finalists had earned 20 points in losses, which you are known to do in the National Hockey League in 2020. You can lose your way up the standings a little bit. And uh, you make that 21 now as yeah. they lose that one in overtime. For those teams, those overtime losses aren't full losses they're getting something out of it, right. w- whether they've outplayed the opposition or not. They got to be, and I think the Blues have hit the emotional bankruptcy portion of their follow-up to the Stanley Cup. Right? You just can't go hammer down all year long. Well, and then mix in the extra twenty games too. I think physically, you, you well have, that you know it, yeah that, that you're carrying lots from of last, overtime. Yep. You know, so but then you flip to the other side with the Stars and those points are the difference between being in the rattle chest with all the other teams that are scratching and clawing to be one of the wild card teams and you know just get in or have your eyes on on locking down perhaps the top seed would that be amazing like it would they, like they have it, it would but it, at the same time right now I wouldn't be shocked. No, I wouldn't either. And and you know Colorado's in the mix too. They they've got the same vision for their team because they've played two fewer games than the Stars. But just to have that, yeah. But ability, they might look back at the end of the regular season and go, "Man, we got beat four times by them." I know they got beat four times by the Stars, and I don't think Jamie Ben had a point, did he? I don't. I haven't looked at those. Numbers, I don't think he had a point in the series. Amazing. You know, he had impact, right? But. It, that wasn't the offense no. that, that did them in. So I I, I look now, we talked a, a couple weeks ago about how the Stars needed to maintain tread water yep. through February. And, and we're only halfway through it here. They still got a lot of work to do. And then get into March, and there's no guarantee that you're going to win your home games, but they got a ton of home games. 
and that's where you they, they start rolling on home ice. Yep. You're going to start looking at the top seed in the division and top seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, and and you know we always look at the numbers and everything like that. They are a much better. Everybody is. They are a much better team record wise at home. The odds are you're going to win more of your home games, and they've been a pretty good team at that. Wow, this that's year. the stat of the that week is, right I, there. I'm just saying it Let makes me, sense. Just like, a second, could you reiterate that again for us? When you how sco- does that work? When you score first. Teams, you have a higher percentage of winning. Tend to win more of their home games than they do on the road. I just, I di- sometimes I delve wow. into the analytics. That and is, like co- go that that's under as deep. The that, that's as deep as a puddle. That one, <laughs> okay, Mike. Just no, that's pretty good. Just bring I, it out I for the fans. I agree. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, let, let's talk about the difference this year and last year, okay. And, and where we're at here. But but let's do that straight ahead. I want to give you a moment to look through your sheets because you're Statman this week. <laughs> I don't know about that. And, uh, and then we're just going to blow people's minds here on the podcast about how this is better and yet it's worse in some ways. I know my words will dry up on the skin Just like a name I remember hearing Wild winters Warm coffee Mom's gone Do you love me? Blazing summer Cold coffee Baby's gone Do you love me? Grab me All right. Comparison time. Uh, as we like to do, we like, we'd like to just go season to season most of the time in the NHL, right? Last year, last year, last season. You have to be careful at this time of year because we flipped the calendar. Now you have to say, you can say last year, but it can also be this season. That's a mind, that's a mind blower right there. So last year they got a chunk of their offense from defensemen. Yes. Like a large chunk. And... This year, that that's not happening at the same rate. They're off significantly by like 10 goals from the same point last year. And a large portion of that is just uh, John Klingberg's shot on the power play. Right. Now, Miro, Miro Haskinen has stopped scoring goals too. Uh, he hasn't scored in uh, eons. What was the last goal? Last goal that one in, in Winnipeg? I can't even Might remember. Might be when he cut yeah. through. Sekera fed him. Beautiful. It's one to remember. But but he has he's had a few opportunities in that. But that that's a significant difference yeah. last year to this year. And uh and yet the power play is about the same. It's just the, they're, they're scoring differently. They're they're not scoring quite as much, but they're scoring differently. But that that's a major one. And that's not just slamming on on yeah. Johnny. It it's they'd like him to shoot more. He'd love to have a few more go in. He, he only has one goal on the power. He and Sagan have one goal mm-hmm. on the power play. And Rope Hints went into last game with with just one on the power play. That's that, crazy. It is. And and it shows the potential for improvement, hopefully. Uh, the other thing which backs up the whole Sagan-Ben Radulov thing is last year at this point, I think they had three 10-goal scores. Yeah. Radulov, Sagan, Jamie Ben. And then it dropped down. Th- this year they have twice as many. They've they've spread it out, right. which is better, right? Yeah. 
Well, and I think we've also seen the um, the top lines split up a little bit more and their minutes decreased. Uh, so then that, I think you would naturally see other players step up. But it's Hint and Garyanov. Having younger kids get confidence and be able to just believe that they can score goals. Believe it's their job to score goals. Because uh, you'll watch Raddick or you'll watch Jason Dickinson, and I don't think they think it's their job to score goals. It's their job yeah. to prevent goals. Yeah. But when you throw a couple guys in there and say, you know, they're hungry to score, they think it's important, and the coaches are saying, you know, we wouldn't mind it if you scored a few goals. Yeah. Uh, I do think that does make a difference. Um, now, on the flip side of it all, this would be great if – Tyler would also add a few more extra goals. And Can you imagine if they ever get everything going at oh, once? Yeah, I mean, on paper, because the, the potential is there for it. Yes, like if they if they ever get every area going at once, and maybe they'll do it at yeah. the most opportune time of the year, and and just roll teams. Like you look at Esta, or you look at Stephen Johns. Both those guys can score goals. Yeah. They're defensemen who can score goals. So what if they start adding to the mix now? And uh, Klingberg and uh, Haskinen also pick up their totals. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Like I said, on paper, it's really impressive. You're sitting there watching the game, and I always say this: the stuff that pops up in my head, where I go, oh, look, there's Corey Perry. I've seen him do that before. He has that ability. Oh, it's Joe Pavelski. He's scoring on the power play. He has that ability. So now mix that with the top line's not old. You know, they, they could be in the prime of their career. What if they do what they normally do? What if Gary Onoff and Hintz continue to be really good goal scorers? The opportunity on paper there is for them to be a really, really good team. Well, they are a very good team. Nah, they're okay. But there's a lot of very good teams. They're okay. And then there's really, really good. Is that what you're trying to get I'm to? From to get very to good to really, really good? Yeah. Man, your superlatives are right off the... Again, I dig deep. The... Uh, I think it was Matt DeFranks had the the quick little nugget after uh, the start after Ben had scored and moved to 15 goals. Stars are the only team in the league with four 15 goal scores, right. 15 plus goal scores. Don't there's have a 20 goal score. No, there's something to be said. Ovechkin has 40. <laughs> well, do four four 15 goal scores equal? Uh, uh, don't, don't do math. <laughs> Nobody wants math. In two this. potential 40 goal scores. It's good. It's goodlier. Ling, right? Then, so the other the other area that I found fascinating this year to last year was uh, through fifty three games. We're, we're at what fifty five now? Yeah. So this is a couple of games ago. Through fifty three games, the goaltenders' numbers and their minutes played were, I mean, almost an overlay. Yeah, like the the numbers were almost lock exact to last year and I, I think Hadobin had played like maybe 40 fewer minutes than he had at this point last year like two periods right unreal yeah a little bit different I think didn't Ben have an injury stretch there four or five games uh, early last season so he was forced Hudobin to play some I yeah think, but no no I'm saying I, I think they, they saw what they got from him and he's earned those extra minutes this year nobody's been hurt and he's yeah. earning these minutes and he's, he gets, he's fantastic he gets a bunch of these he's, road toughies and he the go, save he made on O'Reilly that, he, that wins games I mean yeah. you saw you saw the importance of of clutch goaltending of that save at the right time yep. you don't get it you lose. That's how close this league is yep. now. You don't get it, you lose. 
you get it, you win. Yep. Now it's not going to come easy when you win, but and it was a you know it was a rancid, fluky goal that won it for Minnesota, but that save on Radic Foxa when the Stars were on the power yep. play, and then the save in St. Louis the next night. I mean, those are those are goals. Yeah, a lot of times. Yeah. And, and then it's just like, oh, so you pull your goaltender and you give up an empty netter and you lose four to two yes. instead of yeah. a two-two game. Yep. Yeah. Now the goaltending goaltending is the most important. Well, and it's the most important on this team. in sports. That or punter in the XFL. XFL is a big, yeah. big one. Now, are they having rouges there? The what? The rouge, the two-point punt that you have in Canadian football. The rouge? Have you never heard that? No. Okay. If you punt the ball, I believe through the end zone, you get two points in Canadian football, and it's called a rouge. A red? That's what I've. They call the rouge. Well, speaking of rouge, okay. Blue Blanc and Rouge. Oh. The Montreal Canadiens are on the schedule this weekend, and not just on the schedule this weekend. Our little D stars have been invited to play on a Saturday night at La Belle. Uh, in Montreal. And this hasn't happened in a long, long, long time. You look back over the last decade and the stars have hit Montreal on Mondays and Tuesdays. Basically the, yeah, we have to play them. Uh, They're from the other conference. We'll slide them in here early in the week, but not Saturday night in Montreal. There's not a better venue in our sport on a Saturday night than that place. Is Hockey Night in Canada still what it was? No. Okay. Because like Monday Night Football's died down yeah, here. Yeah, and, and Hockey Night, I mean, it's so saturated. There's so many games yeah. now. You know, it's Wednesday Night Hockey. It's Sunday Night Hometown Hockey. It it doesn't have the, the, the same level of importance and reverence. I mean, hey, look, it's turning into a basketball country as yeah. much as it is is hockey and it's just frayed i mean the entertainment stuff back in the day man saturday night was lock it down well Everybody the players would talk in. about it the, but, play, the but players were like we're playing on hockey night right. canada this is a big game yeah but it it's still it, it's it's still saturday night in montreal yeah. and that the crowd's always phenomenal i i feel look at it was uh, it was my team growing up yeah. and the montreal forum was the be all end all and being able to play there and win there and be one of the, you know, the star of the game <laughs> humble brag uh, uh it was was one of the highlights of my life and to to go in there they're so knowledgeable they're they're so passionate about it and uh, it's just a little bit different on a Saturday than it is the days of the week. Yeah. Now, it'll be interesting. They pl- I think they play Friday night in Pittsburgh. The okay. Habs do. So the Stars, the stars get them tired. Uh, they're going to be sitting around after a day off after we're in, in Toronto. But I'm so looking forward to that. Uh, it's not what it was because back in the day, both teams were there in the morning. Yeah. The, the media horde in two languages was thick. But now they, they don't practice there. They practice in, in their, uh, where are they, Verdun or Laval or wherever they are. And, uh, and then everybody shows up for the game that night. But still, it's going to be Saturday night in Montreal, Mount Royal. So you'll do the whole game in French? Formidable. Will I? I think you will. Oh, formidable. <laughs> Premier et toi.
the first star. So I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to uh, trade deadline talk next week as well. Yeah. You got anything uh, hot and heavy for that? It's funny. I, I've had this debate with other people because you go back and forth. The biggest problem I think the stars have is they don't have the assets that you need to go get a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're missing their second and third round draft picks this year. And, you know, you, a lot of people think. Are you that, armchair GMing? No, I'm just saying. I think this is an interesting. No, I mean, as you write. As I write, you look. You look and see, you know, who could help this team because I think you look at the Matt Zuccarello situation last year and it. It helped them. You know, you get the right player at the right time, it can it can be a big push. But my point on all this is they don't really It's another you, big bold statement. Did you catch that one, Totsi? Was it? If you get, you get it, the right player at, at the, the right, right time, time, it can help. It's always it's always everything. It is that. Dropping <laughs> knowledge. But you can have this debate and it, like you could have a screaming fight with your fellow stars fan because y- you don't have what you need to give up. It's gonna hurt you to do this. Mm-hmm. But if not now, when? Yeah. Like so, if you if you give up your first round draft pick, you have no pick in the first, second, and third round this year. People are like, that's disastrous. Yeah, but this is a team, and if you make that the twenty eighth or 29th pick, go for it. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what goes on because there's going to be that that uh, old debate. I really like the team. Why would yeah. you mess up what you got going right now? We have a chance to beat everybody. If I'm going to stat you here before we sign off, the Stars now are 9-7-1 and one against the teams that are ahead of them in the top 10 of NHL standings. Six of the nine wins are in overtime. <laughs> so they're, you can sit there and look at the record and you're like, they're as good as any of the elite teams when they go head-to-head. And it's so close. It's so close. And they've built up this belief that they're going to prevail in tight games, whether they give up the first goal or not, and if they find themselves in overtime. that That's a quality you don't want to uh, foul up by changing the complexion of your group. Adding Stephen Johns here late in the season is like adding – a top four defenseman at the deadline. And then the next question is going to be, is, is there something available that you just can't, you just can't say no to. Right. And yeah, you're going to have to give something up and yeah, you're going to have to make hard decisions, but you're right. I mean, there's so many things that go into it now. We'll talk more about it next week, but um, I look forward to it. Where were we last year? We were in Vegas, weren't we? Trade deadline. I think we were. My brain doesn't work that way. Yeah. I think we were in Vegas. Uh, last night I was on my couch because uh, we had a, a wonderful Sunday at home, a little soggy after a full day of volleyball, of course. And uh, and we're sitting around and, uh, you know, I've, I have the remote and and uh, we're trying to find something to watch. And debate, debate rages in the Ray household. We have some uh, family in town. Uh, I want to watch hockey. Academy Awards are on. Red Carpet Show Academy Awards are on. Of course, that's dresses and what have you, right? Uh, who won that debate or that fight for the channel changer? In the estrogen-charged Ray household? Or the clicker, as some call it. <laughs> clicker. Uh, I'm going to guess the ladies won. No, I won. We right, watched, way to go. We watched, we watched Blackhawks and Jets. Ah. Yeah. Central Division rivalry. Well, you know. Got to do my homework, and that, and it got to a point where they'd they'd had enough of Blackhawks Jets, 
and the conversation got a little thicker with the, hey, mom and dad, would you guys like to watch the Academy Awards? Just in the periphery. Not not telling me to change the channel, just asking them if they would like to watch it. So I relinquished and went upstairs. We have multiple televisions in the Ray household. It's a compound, really, isn't it? It is. It is. How about you? I watched. Oh my God! With my lovely wife. I uh, seed. Uh, Why all would control. you watch that? It's not nothing do you better like to do. Award it's Sunday shows. night. Do you wa- do you watch the NHL awards? I do actually. Yeah. Do you call? Okay, this is a better question. Do you call this awards season? I do not. Oh, thank God. The great thing about us <laughs> is Totsie, that <laughs> Totsie, if you called this award season, we, we were gonna. You think Holy's off this thing? You'd be done. <laughs> be just totes and me. The great thing about us is, or at least me, I guess, is that we're. It's something different every day. We're in a different town. We're doing different things. So if I walk into the den and the Academy Awards are on, I just sit down. What do you mean? If you walk into the den, did you record it? No. Did you set a reminder? No. Did you? I walked into the den and it was on. Yeah. Okay. I I, uh, I ordered pizza last night. <laughs> With in anticipation? No, just because of the Academy Awards. Just because I wanted pizza, I hadn't had it in a while. Okay. So I went and got pizza, and then. All right. Well, we're not gonna we're not gonna, wall, not gonna we're not gonna wall in this, but I do want to know your opinions on uh, breaking it all down. Yeah. Um, I actually like Parasite. I'm glad that it won. I'm glad a foreign film could get. Is that it not a movie that you read? We yes. joke on our broadcast yes. sometimes when we get too many stat pages in. It's like, we're not going to just read the broadcast tonight, are right. we? But once you get into it, uh, I think it's just so well directed and, and the plot twist is so incredible, right. you forget that's, about the reading. Okay. I don't know whether you're Siskel or Ebert, but whatever. <laughs> Move on. Next. Next. Uh, I didn't like the two actor choices. Uh you know, Joaquin Phoenix is Joaquin Phoenix. Everybody said he was going to get it. Renee Zellweger was fine. I saw that movie. It was, eh, it was fine. I just, there were some better layered uh, performances, I thought. Like these were over, both of these were over the top, you know, performances, which I guess they Why should be under Why don't you bring this well. kind of insight and knowledge <laughs> to our... <laughs> But no, it was good. And you didn't watch any of this. I did not watch a second of it. Wow. I, I'm so proud of myself this year. I never watched a second of All-Star Weekend in our sport. Yes. And I didn't watch one minute, one second. I did uh, have to scroll past, use my thumb to get past some of the social media stuff that Correct. came across from it. But no, I, award shows are uncomfortable for me. People care. All-Star Games and award shows are just, no. There's too many other things I can do. And I did. You did. Yeah. Although, the you didn't watch either, did you, Totsi? No, not a second. I, it holds no interest for me. Because? it's I don't care. And it's a distillation of- Do you like we, movies? Yeah, yeah. But I haven't seen Parasite. I'm probably going to watch that tonight. Oh I feel God. like I'm a bit behind. Is it in black and white? Did you, you didn't see it? No. I, I feel like- Is I it like arachnophobia? It. Is it the same type of thing? It's not. It's something different? Oh. But it's what we talk about happening with sports. If anything interesting happens in that broadcast last night, it'll be on yeah, your isn't Twitter that, feed. Isn't that true? That are you on the interweb? I am. Well, on you the are interweb. okay <laughs> because you don't you don't have to watch these things anymore. Like it'll get distilled for you. Yes, and then you can just consume it on you know short bites. Yeah, like I, I agree with that. But if there's well, something I, to be said to watch. Okay, it let me in real let me time. ask you this: Was there was there a bunch of political? meandering acceptance speeches they actually 
pushed down on that, I think, and there were not that many. There's some, though. Oh, yeah. Because I looked, and the Joaquin Phoenix came on on my little Twitter feed, and I I looked at it, and they had subtitles, maybe in honor of Parasite. There were subtitles on my Twitter feed, and I was reading along, and he was starting to talk about animal rights and something, and I was like, yep, that's why I don't do it. He uh, he's actually practiced. He's won pretty much every award. So some of his previous ones were even stronger than this. He kind of distilled it down to I, that's my everybody word. Don't should, steal my words. Everybody should should be nice to everybody. I think that's a good. That's one of my philosophies. Use I'm, parse I'm or stealing something. Stealing that from Joaquin okay. Phoenix. Everybody should be nice to everybody. Right. Mike, how excited did you get when Eminem came out? <laughs> there you go. See now, see that's a perfect example. He did not watch the show, but he knows, and yet he knows. That the, the little white rabbit was out there bringing it. He was fantastic. And the other thing that's interesting is watching all the people react to him. They're they're using his words. You know, they're mouthing the song as he's rapping it in the audience. And these are the finest actors, you know, in in every country. And they all know Eminem's words. Well, who doesn't know that song? Well, that's a good point. He was falling asleep. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't falling asleep. He was just yeah. not, having not having it. I don't think he understood a word that was being said. But I love the concept. So he. Doesn't he's not there 18 years ago? Yeah, but that wasn't. Yeah, okay. And so now yeah, he gets a yeah. chance to basically yeah. sing his song. But for wasn't everybody. it something to do with the impact of music on movies? That was leading the introduction into it, then, to it. Yeah, which is I think that makes it entertaining. If you're going to watch an award show, why not get something like that? Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, it does break up what we know as the the dog days. Yes. Like, and we've hit that in the NHL, yeah. right? Yeah. That's why award season for you, a, a trip to Toronto and Montreal and Ottawa for me. And for me to tie this all together, award season all-star. This Saturday night in Montreal, my biggest sporting event of the year, NBA dunk contest. Oh, my God. You're going to be watching that, right, Daryl? You love that. No, there's no reason <laughs> to do it. That's the point. There's no reason to watch that now. Why would you sit there and watch... Th- this scripted crap when you can it's going to be on every platform you can just find the good stuff because you love it i just want the good stuff i'm i might be a uh a 55 year old millennial because i only just give me the good stuff i i, I don't have time for the others i want the good stuff do you control that phone or does that phone now, control you as i say that i'll contradict myself because one of the things that that bugs me about our business right now, uh, our business being broadcasting, uh, which comes from farming. I think I told that yeah. before on here. The, the We have to do the entire game. And w- with the knowledge that nobody's watching the entire game, other than maybe Kelly Forbes and Matt Rodell. They might be the only guys that are watching the entire game. Even them. Yeah. They might be checking out every now and then. But you have to, you never know when the moments are coming. And, uh, and we're feeding all these various platforms and it does get distilled down into four minutes here and a highlight there. And, uh, whether it's on TikTok or Twitter or Instagram or DallasStars.com. DallasStars.com. Right. We're part of the problem there. We, that's, that's what the highlights out. Anyway, man, we have spiraled here. I wanted to talk about the dog days. The, uh, the, this is the time of year the, the coaches really have to coach. Yeah. 
Don't you think? Yeah. Do you, how much do you think it is the coaches have to really, really coach, or the coaches just accept that, man, this is going to be awful for a little stretch here, and there's not much you can do. You can keep beating them over the nose with a rolled-up newspaper, but what's that really going to do? Yeah. Um, I think they do. I think I don't know if they they be. I think they find different ways to push buttons. Uh, I think this coaching staff, because they're a little bit new, uh, enjoys it. Enjoys the challenge of saying, "What can I do to get a little bit more out of this?" Um, and then you watch guys like Tyler deal with what he's dealing with, mm-hmm. and clearly, it's not the dog days for him because he wants that goal, and you can see it, you know, from the press box the way he's playing on the ice. So you go around and you find different things. You see Yoel Kiviranta and say. Look, this kid's getting his chance. Isn't this exciting? It's exciting to him. Shouldn't it be exciting to you? You know, veteran player. Uh, and you look at guys like Pavelski and, and Perry, and they're going through their process. And all of a sudden, now it's starting to click a little bit. And, uh, you know, uh, I was talking to Corey the other day, and, and I, you know, I talked to him about, you know, the puck following him around, and he just seems to be around. And he goes, you know, it's just, you just play and try to get better and he really like when you talk to him he really does look at each game as an opportunity to get better and now maybe that wasn't that way in Anaheim in year 13 or whatever but it is this year and I think that's kind of cool so each individual has a button that can be pushed and I do think the coaches are trying to push those buttons is that too much talk? I don't know. It was a long answer. I checked. <laughs> I checked out halfway through it. I was just going to wait for the the clips to end up on my news feed. From I could that. see. I could see Tote shaking his head, going yeah. like, "Yeah, that's." He gonna, was just trying to get this Twitter. to end. <laughs> so the the dog days of of hockey, I believe, are from about game fifty to game sixty five, yeah. somewhere in there, sixty. There's about a about a dozen games in there right after the all-star break and that where everyone's tired yes and and then you get through that and you push through that and everyone pops their head up and they're like oh my god there's 20 games left in this season there's the the trade deadline helps and yeah and the and the trade deadline kind of jars things around a little bit the true definition of dog days is the period between early july and early september when the hot sultry weather of summer usually occurs in the northern hemisphere that that's one the other one more apropos in this case is a period of stagnation and inactivity and speaking of that we will be stagnant and inactive on rinky dinking until next week see y'all <laughs> Everybody's on a barge floating down the endless stream of great TV. 1984, 2019, maybe I was a little too wild in the 70s. Rocket ship Greeks down the cracks of my knuckles. Karate bandana, warp speed cheek, hair down to the Impressive mustache, love came in a bottle with a twist of cat. Let's all have a seat.